Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro. It's 2023, a new season, a new series and a new lineup of guests. And we've got some fantastic ones for you. Remember, it's not just about fishing. We're reaching into the world of sports, the world of angling and more to the point, the minds of some of the biggest names in our sport. And we've got a big one for you today. He's caught an awful lot of very big fish. He's just one Carp Angler of the Year. He is, I've got to say, a mate of mine and just an all-round nice bloke. It is, of course, Dave Levy. Dave, welcome to Essex. Thanks, Rob, and um, I'll pay you later for them nice words. (laughs) (laughs) No problem at all. Now, I say welcome to Essex because you live a long way from here, don't you? Yeah, it took me me all of six minutes to get here, mate. Six minutes. (laughs) He's he's actually our neighbour down here at Outlaw Pro. Um, Dave. We'll get straight into it. 2022. What an incredible year you've had. Yeah, wow. d- definitely, mate. It was, um, you know, one of them years that uh, stick with me for the next few. Hopefully I'll better it because yeah, you've always yeah. got to look to better it. But yeah, it was an excellent year. You know, you, you, you're always there or thereabouts. You're catching carp anywhere. You, you're consistently out all the time. But, you know, when we look back at 2022, some of the numbers are just mind-blowing of the fish that you've caught, you know, not just in size, but numbers of them. So just in case anybody has been living on planet Zog for a while, <laughs> just let's reach straight into Euroaqua and this incredible trip that you've fairly recently come back from. It was late autumn, early winter. It's 2022. You've got two weeks on a lake with some big fishing, and it's fair to say you clubbed them. Yeah, yeah. When uh, I first got asked to go Paul owns Ridge Monkey called me and he said um do you want to come to Euroaqua in um the last week of October first week of November and I didn't need asking twice because uh, I know Paul knows the lake, the lake really well so um he said look you, you can't miss this one this yeah. is there's going to be a hundred pounder out it will be out in them two weeks and the chance to catch a hundred pound fish yeah. you know it's so rare in the whole world I think there's probably I think around 10 or 12 in the world and I reckon seven or eight from living that one lake, yeah. so you've got a very good chance. It's 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 a strange place, isn't it? You know, it's 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 sprung onto the scene probably over the last ten years. It's been going longer than that. It's been going for probably twenty years. You know, the Austrians used to go there quite a lot. Uh, there's there's a, it, it's been known about in Eastern Europe for a fair while, but it was a very very exclusive club. It's opened up a little bit more over the last few years, and I'd probably say five six years English anglers have been going there. We've been around for around about the same period of time in carp angling. Can you imagine winding the clock back 20 years and going, yeah, I'm going fishing for a £100 carp? Well, it's crazy. Do you know what? I remember walking into a shop as a kid, Rob, and um, Kevin Ellis was on the front of a magazine called Big Fish. I don't even remember that. And I spent my school dinner money on the magazine because he was holding this Cassine fish, and it was £68. And um, I did have pictures of naked women on my walls, but... Also, I had this picture of Kevin Ellis with the head off yeah. and this 68-pounder. And um, growing up, like, I always said, one day I want to go and fish for them massive carp. And if you had said to me back then, you know, one day you'll catch fish way bigger than that, I wouldn't have imagined it. So, yeah. Uh, amazing. Like a 60 is a big fish, isn't it? Yeah, huge. You know, wherever you are in the world, a 60-pounder is a big fish. A 70-pounder really is, is a fish of dreams. Yeah. An 80-pounder really is the fish of a lifetime. And then when you get to 90... It's it's almost like a 
a, a completely different level again. And you've caught 90s and you've caught a 100-pounder as well. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. And Come on, uh, tally them off. Tell us what you caught. So that, that week we had, um, in that two-week period, I counted 77 fish and we probably missed a few because you get a bit blasé. And um, I had, um, I don't know how many 60s, honestly, um, but I did have a 93, a 97 common, um, 101, and what was a... I can't remember. I think it was three nineties and a hundred. That's what I had. Wow. Like, yes, a three nineties, a one hundred. Paul had an eighty-eight. Quite a few seventies. It was just um, a mad trip. But yeah, yeah, hundred and one was probably the mind-blowing fish. You know what I mean? When that went in the net, I'd had it on for about probably about twenty minutes. Yeah. When it went in the net, I knew straight away. Weirdly, when I picked up the rod, I looked at Paul and said, "This is a hundred pounder," because like obviously I've been carp fishing years. Yeah. And I picked up the rod, and it just did nothing but sit where it was. Yeah. And um, I'd be fighting it, and it kept dumping itself on the bottom. So it'd be going, it'd be chugging away, and then just go dunk. Yeah. And a cut first couple of times, I thought it found snags. Yeah. And then I'd lean into it, and it'd come off the bottom, and I, I thought this is saying massive, you know what I mean? But weirdly, when I had the common that was ninety-seven pound and perfectly well proportioned, yeah, it come in a bit like a dog on a lead, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that's good so. though. That's yeah, good with the fish that's that what you don't want, want them to yeah, fight. Well, originally, I was lucky enough to about four years ago, I caught a fish out of um, Croatia, 88 yeah. pound. And um, that fish, it left me with PTSD. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I had it on for 25 minutes like, and it fought all the way to the net. And I remember catching that 88 thinking, if that's what they fight like when they're this big, yeah. like, I'll end yeah. up with like, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mad to think about fish that big. You know they 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 are like carp but bigger, but they yeah. become a different animal again when they get to a certain size, don't they? You know the the, the a carp is a carp. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, you know a, a a thirty pound carp is a big carp. When you see a fifty, you think actually that's a really big carp. But then there's another couple of scales as well. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing a ninety six uh, a, a few years ago, and just when it when it popped up, you could see it was a big fish from the head. You know, and you yeah. catch glimpses of them while there's bits of them underwater. In Euroaqua, it's not clear, is it? No. It's, uh, you know, you can you can see that far-ish in, so you yeah. can get the scale a little bit. But you see a head, and then you see a swirl and a tail that far apart, and then suddenly you think, bloody hell. It's a weird one. Knowing you play a fish, Rob, and the um, line pings off the fins and the rod drops back a bit, yeah. and you think, oh, God. I thought I was going to lose it then. Yeah. On there, when when it pings off the fin, yeah, foot. the, the rod <laughs> drops back yeah, in. Yeah. You think that's yeah. a bloody long fish. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, big big fish fight very differently as well. Yeah, don't they. To, you know, you you know when you hit a big fish. Yeah, in when, comparison with, and I mean a really big fish. Yeah, when we was there, like the hardest fighting fish I caught that week were mid sixties. Yeah. Like some of them just absolutely battered us. Yeah. But a real, real big fish, it, it weren't a case as they didn't batter me. I couldn't do anything with them. They just chugged around yeah. and I let them do what they want until they got tired. And yeah. that was how we got them in. Like. Yeah, it, it's it's mad as well when you look at the big fish like that going into the landing net. You know, I, I, I remember, um, and it's going back quite a long time now, I think it was 2006 when I caught my PB. I, I need to go out and try and do that again. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it, it, we'll come on to PBs in a minute and, and, and mindset. But um, I'm a PB in, um, I think it was 2006. And it was at Rainbow at the time. It was the biggest fish in Rainbow. And we were fishing locked up. I've had a little tip knock and a single bleep. Yeah. I thought, that's enough, because it was on a 10-ounce lead. So anything that's doing that, it's <laughs> yeah. on. And it didn't move. So I thought, right, get in the boat, got straight above it. It's 12 foot deep. I've hit it from directly above. 
It hadn't got a clue what was going on. I've reeled it straight in. I reckon I've had the fish on 20 seconds. That's mad. No yeah. fight at all with it. No, no. You know, of, of something that big. It's probably because, and the situation you had to fish for that fish in, where at Euroaqua was open water. I just yeah, used, yeah. I used pretty British tactics, size four rooks. I just up the hook link, you know. Yes. But uh, um, Rainbow is a whole different beast, and it is 40 pound braid or 50 pound yeah. wrapped around an island and... Depends on what peg you're in. There's, a, you know, people talk about rainbow doing certain things, but actually, if you're in swim twelve, it's a very different fishing situation to the island or to, yeah, you yeah. know, swim one or whatever. It, you, you, you have to go there geared up with a completely different mentality. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I suppose the, the, the thing is, you know, they're heavy, but when they, when they go with a big and they'll go. Yeah. You can't do anything no, with no. them with the, with these absolute units, but. I, I, again, the memory for me was just seeing this fish pop up and it came up from the bottom really quickly and it just looked enormous. Yeah. You know, again, it's 15 years ago. So, you know, a, a, I suppose an 80 pounder was, was the 100 pound equivalent back yeah, then. It's massive, and this thing yeah. has popped up and you just think, blimey, to see a 100 pounder pop up, yeah. that's got to get your heart going and your trousers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? My, le- my knees went. Yeah. Literally, it came to the surface and uh, Paul said to me, because I'd been making a bit of a blog on it. Paul said, do you want me to film it? And I literally went, don't worry about that. I said, get it in the net. Like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Luckily, when it's in. Yeah, it was absolutely nailed, so it was never coming off. But um, Was it the first big one you caught? No, the first... Oh, you caught a 90 before that? Yeah, the first big one I caught um, that week was the start of the week. I had a 93. Yeah. And then I had the 101, like with some fish obviously in between. Then I had the 97-pound common. Yeah, nice. A ninety-seven pound common's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, as well. Um, what's your favourite one? Do you have a favourite one? Is it the yeah. size, or is it the capture, or is it the, the fish? Well, of that wait, that period yeah. was the ninety-seven common because yeah. it was just so well proportioned. And I mean, after that, I had two two eighty-fives as well. Do you know, what I mean? it, it was it's crazy place. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bear thinking about. It. No, um, talk to me about bait because I've spoken to Ian, um, you know, Ian Smith uh, yeah. th- from from here and Stuart who've who've been over as well, and uh, they used an awful lot of maggot. Yeah, is that is that what you were doing? How were you fishing it? Was there different tactics, or we how did, does it work? We did use maggot, but we used a lot of boiler crumb as well. Because right. what I found around the lake, they obviously come out in a boat. You buy the you buy the maggot and the hemp from them. They come out bait up, and um, I noticed quite a trend after about because we was there two weeks, so it's good because you can sort of um, ch- change as the sessions going on. Mm. Pardon me, sorry. <laughs> like originally, we was baiting up in the evenings, and then we changed to baiting in the mornings because we yeah. realised it didn't matter what time you you baited, they get on it. Yeah. So I said, well, let's bait in the mornings, not Make bait life in the easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the evenings, we sit back and have a beer. Yeah. In the days, we catch fish. I yeah. don't want to be reeling in at night. So Paul's like, yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. So basically, what we noticed when the bait went in, they were immediately on it within 40 minutes yeah. of getting that bait in. You'd have fish, and so, sometimes it'd be one, but other times it'd be five. Like all rods would be going. Right. So what I'd done, I started baiting up with boily crumb in the afternoons. So there was something to sustain the area rather than just the maggot because yeah. you've got thousands of sealfish in there as well. And they're all going at it, all the carp are going at it. And I reckon a lot of the time people were putting in 25 litres of maggot, 50 kilo of hemp, and I reckon it was gone in an hour and a half, a whole lot, gone. And that's not just carp, that's silverfish as well. Yeah. But when you put the boilie in, all crushed, all different sizes, you've got more sank to sustain the feeding area. Yes. So I'd notice we would still be getting bites two and a half hours later, where mm. guys would be running out, and that's that's I I put the tip the uh, trips success yeah. down to the boilie basically up as well. And there's there's an awful lot to be said for baiting strategy. Yeah, you definitely. Know, I, I, I think I think it's something that 
most anglers are aware of, but not everybody does well. You That's know, right, and, yeah. and I'll use the, the the world champs as a prime example. Like when we were in the world champs recently, we got a very similar bait to what everyone else was using. We were fishing at long range. You know, there isn't a lot of things that make you stand out, but the strategy for how you put yep. the bait in is what won it for us because there was there was a few fish in there, but there weren't a lot. Yeah. And what we decided to do was not fish the English way, because a lot of the time the English way is pile a load of bait on a spot and try and condense these fish into an area, yeah. which would have meant that we would catch a lot of fish quick, but the chances are we would also scare fish off and we might not get another chance to, to get them back in again. Yeah, yeah. So we started baiting wide with a throwing stick, not with a spawn. Okay, yeah. So, you know, almost like an area baiting pattern, just to hold fish in the area without pressurising them. And as the baits build, that's when we pull the fish in. Yeah, yeah. And then you can density bait from a wide area going in. And you're talking about um, lads that are at an elite level of thinking, yes. not just in their fi- in their strategies. And uh, one of the strategies I used at Euro Aqua, um, I'd only got the tip. You know, you're always learning. Every yeah. day is a school day. Yeah. And I was speaking to Dan Walbore. And we was talking about baited areas, and yeah. I said, oh, I always fish the front of my baited area because I don't want the lines going through it. Yeah. You know, so then the carp pick up yeah, the yeah. lines, spook them out. Because I'm thinking big fish fishing. Yes. But then Dan went to me, yeah, but when we're hit fishing, yeah. especially on a big lake, it was on Fisherbill at the time. Yeah. He said, the fish are sitting out in the middle, that's their snag, that's yeah. their safe zone. And they come in, yeah. the first thing they're hitting is the back of the baited area. So yeah, he said, yeah. I'm, when I'm fishing the matches, he don't now, but when he used to, we used yeah. to fish. Just when I got to Euro Aqua, the middle's 35 wraps, and I yeah. thought, well, I'm going to fish 25, yeah. but uh, uh, sorry, 26, and I'm going to bait at 25, and I literally fished the back all week. Yeah. Yeah. So as they were they were going out there, if, I could have put rods at 30 wraps, yeah. but they'd have gone somewhere else. You back them off, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if, as yeah. long as I kept them there, they would keep that little safe zone, and that's how I managed to keep the fish behind us for like two weeks. The other, the other thing with that as well, that, that we find in competition interesting talking about that, is that... If you if you fish the front of the baited area, generally what will happen is you'll get a group of fish that will come in and you'll catch fish off that baited area. But what you might do is spook others unless they're really heavily on that feed. Yeah. So when you've got competitive feeding, you want it in the baited area. When you're picking them off to begin with, you want it just behind. Because the odd wanderer, you know, when you scratch yeah, him, yeah. the odd wanderer will come in. Have a little pick and go off. Yeah, yeah if you can have him quick. before others come in so you alternate whereabouts you fish within that baited spot and the other one and 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 you'll know this as well so often the bigger fish will come in towards the back end or will just loiter around the side which is what you're saying and your bait on the front of it so you pick your bigger fish up just off the side of the baited area definitely and it's rather than off the back it's about understanding carp as well rob because a lot of people think that like 40 pound in in england or a massive carp will eat more than a 28 pounder yeah yeah. which isn't the case the 28 pounder is trying to grow. It's a bit like a teenage boy. When my yeah. boy was a teenager, he was clearing the habitat. I've got but one of them. <laughs> when they get to <laughs> when they get to adults, they're sustaining. So a massive carp, he yeah. don't actually eat as much as a smaller fish. He sustains. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the time, them big fish, they come in, they have three or four mouthfuls and waddle off. Yeah. Where the twenty eights and the thirties, they're in there going crazy on it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's just it's that understanding of how these big fish feed, isn't it? Um, uh, you've you've just made me think about um, uh, a, a couple of other occasions. One of them where, talking about understanding, when we did a feature for Carpology a few years ago, yeah. uh, and it was a really interesting lake for a start. Yeah. Uh, we'll tell some of the stories about that in a bit. But the, the, the Carpology feature, uh, people, was um, below the surface testing the pros. Basically what would happen is I would go out with a professional angler. They choose where they want to fish. They choose what they want to do. 
and then they will carry on doing it. I'll get the dive kit on, go down, and I'll have a look if what they're doing is exactly what they say they're doing. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Dave, you were absolutely bang on. Yeah. Do, do you remember I got you to draw a picture of what the bottom was like? Yeah. And I drew it, and you put yours on top of mine, and it was almost as if it was traced. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Where the ledges were and how it was like. Now, how important do you feel understanding the terrain is? Oh, it's massively important. And I learned that, yeah, like now you've got like the deepers and all that. Yeah. I don't think you can beat a lead and braid. Mm. You know, for like, I remember that session we did, Rob, and I said to you, there's a clay there's a clay line, then there's a strip of gravel and a clay line. Yeah. And you said to me, have you dived in it? And I said, no. And he said, how do you know? And I said, because when I pulled a rod, yeah. it's smooth. It ding, 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 and then it's back on smooth. Yeah. But people have lost that skill these days. And on that particular lake... That strip of gravel was really important. Yeah. If you landed on the clay, yeah. it was day and night for bites because I used to try fishing the clay. Yeah. So uh, luckily on there, you could use braid on your on your reels as well. Yeah. And I remember I'd take seven open water casts and then the one that went crack, I think that's the one, yeah. put it down and like nine times out of 10, that was a rod that would do you to bite. And uh, you know, the, the, we, we see it time and time again, this attention to detail is what sets the better angler away from the average angler because you'll catch. Yeah, yeah. You know, th there's no question about that. Um, our mindset in competition is that we know everybody can catch. Yeah, yeah. Catching is actually easy. Yeah. What we've got to do is we've got to catch quicker and more efficiently than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's where that attention to detail comes in, that you can't leave anything to chance, and that much might be the difference. Yeah. Might, especially when you're on that, like you say, night and day shot between gravel and clay. Yeah, the 1%s, the you know, like, when I go fishing, it's like... Oh, the weather's this, I'm on the right end, of the, it's a new wind, that's 2%. You know, I'm fishing the right area, that's another 2%. And eventually you get to 10%. Yeah. And a lot of the time, we probably all fish at 8, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And then on the days when you fish at 10, that's when you have a hit. Yeah. You know, and a lot of time, we nick two or three fish, and we know it's possible to get 10, that's when you get that 10%. You know, you do it all right on that day. What What do you think is the singular most important thing to being successful? Consistency. Yeah. Yeah, if you... If you ain't consistent, it's no good. You've got to be in touch with what's going on. The more you do something, if you, if you want to do something excellent, you have to do it a lot. Yeah. You can't be excellent at saying you only play it. So you, you do it a lot and you become excellent at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I We had a brief chat before downstairs and I described you as consistently consistent. Right. So, yeah. which, which is exactly that because some people are consistent for a period of time. Yeah. But you seem to be remarkably consistent wherever you go. Crow is another one. Yeah, he is, you know, yeah. as a, as a prime example, when he's got something in his sights, he'll do it. Yeah, there's no question about him not doing it. He'll do it. Sometimes it might take longer than 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 other times because yeah. that's natural because of either circumstances, weather, time of year, other people fishing, whatever. But anglers like you, like Crow, you are just so consistently consistent. And how do you keep going? Do you know what? Um, I just love carp fishing. Mm. So like, it's easy to do something you love. Yep. You know what I mean? So, like, when I go in the winter, when people go, oh, it's too cold out, I see that oh, oh, the fish are at a better weight, they look better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Catching them's harder, so more kudos to me. Only yeah. personally, I think, oh, yeah, I've had one in the winter. Yeah. And uh, there's always this different angle to look at something, you know. Yeah, but it, it all revolves around just loving going fishing. And when you look at someone like um, Simon, for instance, I know Simon reasonably well. Yeah, yeah. And Anything Simon does, he does consistently. Yep. When he said to me, I'm going to get into marathon running. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's 50 years old running three-hour marathons. You know what I mean? That's Even mad, quicker. Like, cause, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, when he applies himself, 
he's going to do it and um, I'm exactly the same if I say I'm going to do something I'll follow it through well, I, I, I remember that and I'll give you I'll give you a prime example of this um, as well because um, me and Crow used to do obviously um, you're ex-military yep. uh, you served for X number of years you were para yep, free para free para yep. weren't you um, so you know you've you've got that mental mindset for firstly just getting on with it yep. and secondly getting it done because that's exactly what you have to exactly, do. Exactly, yeah. And um, Crowe and I did a charity run with the uh, with the Parachute Regiment a few years ago. We did a couple of them, actually. Interestingly, Bev came along to watch, and that's how she got into doing it as well. Right, okay, yeah. Uh, Bonesy and Rivers came. And we, we did the, the – you'll have done it, obviously. You know what it's like up at, uh, up at Depot doing the – The 10-miler. The 10-miler. The, the yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, loved it. So we did that. And the amount of people that have turned around and gone, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. Let me know when you're going next time. Yeah. All right. I'm going. Oh, 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 oh my legs hurting. Oh, my eyebrows hurting. Oh, yeah. there's always a reason why they don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've done it again. And then we were both going to do the SAS one, the fan dance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember talking to you and you said, oh, I'll do that. I, I fancy doing that. And I thought, oh, he, you know, he might do. Yeah. And of all the people that have ever said, I'll come. Yeah, yeah. You're the only one that's ever done it. Yeah, yeah. No one else comes. I remember it. Yeah, no yeah. one else comes. And as it happened... I did my ankle ligaments in on... Yeah, you um, got quite a bad injury, didn't you? I yeah, yeah. I, I, I snapped an ankle ligament doing... Um, it was it was another one on Salisbury Plain, and yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't do it, but you still went. I did, I went, and I, I was the only 40-year-old to get in within the SAS's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair play, fair <laughs> yeah. play. So, you know, and it's, it's tough, because I did it a couple of years later. Yeah, it is. That yeah. fan dance, whether it... If it's hot, it's too hot. If it's cold, it's too cold. Yeah. Yeah, it is a grueler, but it's enjoyable. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So, the uh, for, again, for, for, for those of you that, that don't know, and you may or may not be interested, but, um, you know, Dave's massively into his fitness. I'm into my fitness as well. And I, uh, we, we it is such a big part of, of what you do, the mental mindset, keeping keeping that that energy going well, is huge, isn't it's it? It's like we live in a world today, Rob, where, um, you know, like people are all suffering with anxiety. Yeah. You know, you go, I spoke, I met a guy the other week fishing, and he said, oh, I haven't been fishing for a while because um, my anxiety's got the better of me. And I said, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you let it get the better. Yeah, listen, right. I said your brain works like this. It's got fight or flight. Mm. I said, and the fright keeps you at home. Mm. I went to fight. You have to find a way to make your brain work like that. I said with me and with most people, it's the gym. Mm. When I go in the gym, when you lift weights or you go on a run, the side of your brain that makes you do that—that's the fight side, yeah, yeah. and that's the strong side. So you making that side of your brain and your thought process the stronger one. Yeah. If you choose to stay indoors and it's too cold to go to the gym today, that's yeah. the fright side, and then yeah. that becomes stronger. Yeah. So it's about cool. keeping it, you know, the stronger side going. It's a, it's a great way of looking at it, and you know, the, the, we all have issues. We all have tough times. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, we all have health issues. We all have all of these things. Um, for, for for me in particular, you know, I, I I like to keep myself fit. I COVID in July, it really knocked me around. It affected me physically for a start. Yep. Um, you know, I felt that I aged ten years in about two months. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm getting back into it now and getting back into the fitness again. And the the running side of thing for a start, it helps me physically, but it more helps me mentally. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's, yeah. it's such a big thing for mental health. If you get Just knocked, getting out and moving. Yeah, if you get knocked down, get up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get recover and then get up, but have a plan yes. and do things like say it, that's the good thing about the gym. It, you know, like you set yourself a task. If you say, right, next year I want to be here, that's like a massive task. Yeah. But to go, I'm going to the gym tomorrow morning. That's not a massive task. So just do one little, little step steps. each time before yeah. you know where you want to be next year is here and you're yeah. doing it. I remember a massive task coming back up um, Jacob's ladder. 
on the fan dance just to go back up to that. I've that actually cried just, <laughs> coming uh, up that thing. Yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, it, it's um, the the whole march is uh, sixty miles long. Basically, the SAS selection test. They open up to civvies twice a year to see if they can have a go at it, see what they like. So you run all the way over the mountain, down the other side, along a very long track called the Roman Road, isn't it? Get to yep, the turning at, point at a train uh, station. That's yeah. Tom Pontai t- uh, train station. Turn around, back up, and then you've got to go back up the really steep thing that you've just come down. And I ran out of steam on the way up it. I've yep. got, I think it was £45 on the back yep. at the time. I'm halfway up the ladder and my legs have gone. I've hit the wall yep. and I just, I'm stuck. You and can, I'm just thinking, I'm out. You cannot do, do that without blowing out. That's the, yeah. that's the mad thing about a fan dance because it is so much elevation. Yeah. You're, at some point, your legs are going to go. And I remember running down... Um, on the way and uh, just my calves going whack and cramping up like yeah, that yeah, yeah. stopping rubbing my calf and then going again think because you're looking at your watch thinking yeah, yeah. I, haven't got time I want to, to be in four hours like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, was, oh, it, was, it was crackers I remember I'd, I'd stop there and I'm swaying with a bag on as well thinking I don't know whether I'm going that way which is going to be very painful if I go that way yeah or whether I'm just going to cling on here and can't go any further up and the bloke stopped and went you're right I went I'm, I'm I think I'm done I'm struggling I can't I've literally I've hit the wall I can't go on my legs I've had it yeah, um, and the problem is that as soon as part of you has it, your mind that was fairly strong suddenly thinks, "Oh, yeah, yeah. you're not going to do this." And he went, "Yeah, mate," and he gave me half a dozen jelly babies. Yeah, yeah, nah. and that was it. Jelly babies down the neck. Whether it was psychological, whether it was a placebo, whether it was the sugar getting straight in, but within two minutes, I fired mate, up. I've gone. Again. It's. Um, I think it's all of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. That sugar. I remember speaking to Bev, and um, I said to her, she started doing my ultra marathons. Yeah, yeah. And she done. I might have been a hundred mile. I think she went. I done. I, don't, I said. How do you do a hundred mile? When I've done yeah. a marathon, yeah, uh, like I've done about five marathons, and every time on the London embankment, yeah. I hit the wall. Yeah, I'm in bits. And I thought I can't imagine doing that again three times. You said it's food. Yeah. It's yeah. all down to diet, food, because food, uh, you know, you're fueling the engine. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's exactly that, isn't it? Well, I suppose it's it's everything really. It's like carp fishing. Your casting can be brilliant, and if your casting's brilliant, but your rigs are crap. Yeah. Then you you know you'll get the job done, but you won't get it done as efficiently. Exactly. And if your rigs are good and your casting's good, then you know what your bait might let you down. But when you've got all of these little the things, percentages again, yeah. Consistency once again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So talking about consistency, um, you've been around a long time. Uh, forgive me, but uh, you know you've 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 fished a fair few places. Yeah. Uh, your book is a fantastic book, Fallen Kings. You've you've fished some wonderful places, some really challenging places, some yeah. slightly easier places where you're getting bites. What really pulls your string? What do you like doing? Do you know what? Um, and I've been this way since I was a kid. Whenever I go to a lake, I want to catch the biggest fish in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I go there, they'll go, oh, there's a lovely linear. And then, and then there's this mirror and it's the biggest one. In, straight away, I want to catch that. Yeah. I've been like since I was a kid. And that's what drives me. So a lot of the time when I fish for a fish, I'll see a photo of it and I go, bloody hell, I want that. I want to catch that, you know. And then I'll find, like, I fished, I'm still after a common at the moment. I've been on and off for a few years after this fish. Yeah. And um, it does come out about seven or eight times a year. And I thought, that's catchable. And like in your head, stupidly thought, I'm going to have that. Yeah, right? yeah. I've gone there. Turns out there's 300 fish in the lake. Oh, God. That makes it more difficult. I was hoping there was, I was actually hoping there was 50. Yeah. Because that way, your chances of getting to its mouth is a lot easier. And at the moment, I think I've had 116 fish. Wow. Still not at it, but. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep going, you know what I mean? I'll keep I'll keep fishing with that fish till it's in my net. But a lot of the time, Rob, it's just I see a photo 
and then I think I like to look at that fish. Right. I want my photo done with it. I want to catch it. And then and then it goes from there. You know, you start targeting it. You realise it's got certain habits and yeah, all that, yeah. and it all builds from there. Yeah, you can definitely build a picture, can't you, of of, of what these fish do and where they live. So you know, I see it underwater that um, certain certain fish will have certain characteristics. They'll have certain patterns that they follow. Yeah. Um, I have to laugh when the carp tigers with authority, absolute authority, say, oh, yeah, well, they're over there and they start over there and they all go over here. Yeah, and they're yeah. all over there. And then when they've done that at <laughs> half past 10, they all go over there. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. They don't no, all exactly. do it because no. they're all different. They're very, very different. You always get, when you get to a lake, you get the local expert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the lakes are fish and it's not through uh, arrogance. I don't want to know anything about them. Yeah. Because the way I look at it, like when I fished Holton, I got there and Greg had fished a year before. Yeah. And Greg went to me, ah, oh, I'll meet you and I'll walk you around and I'll show you all the spots. And I said, thanks, mate. I said, but I'd rather you didn't because yeah. Greg had had, he'd done well. He'd had 20 fish, which out at Holton, most of the syndicate probably have less than 10 a year. Yeah. And he'd had 20 fish. Yeah. But Greg, get at that time, got a lot more time than me. I used to get one night a week. And yeah. I thought, if I do what Greg done, I'm catching five fish all year. Yeah. So I went there with no preconceived ideas fished caught fish out of fish swims that hadn't done bites in three years yeah, yeah. because i saw yeah. something that hadn't been shown yeah and ended up with 26 fish in a season that's doing one night a week yeah yeah because yeah. i thought outside the i didn't necessarily think outside of the box i just didn't let someone coerce me into fishing mm. the way that everyone does on that lake i think that's that's so important with um with modern pressurized carp fisheries now in particular because our carp whilst um there are things that carp do. Their behaviour is influenced so much more by pressure. Oh, because, yeah. you know, th- th- we condition them to do things. We condition them to eat certain bait by baiting up. We condition them not to eat by catching them on certain things or in certain places. And if you can just think outside the box and break away from that norm, it always helps. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine to go, like, linear, go on B2 point, the spot is 26 and a half wraps, there's yeah. 3,000 carp, they're yeah. starving. They're coming along like, just like like on a train. But when you start fishing for big fish yeah. that might have niche little ways they feed, you know what I mean? Yeah, Some of them don't yeah. move between food items. Yeah. And it's only through watching and learning about that fish. That's that's why I love targeting big fish because they've almost got their own personality. Yeah. You know, like the one I've just been targeting this year, Charlie's mate, yeah. nine times out of ten, if it done a capture, its next capture would be from the other end of the lake. Right. But it took six months to learn that yes. when I thought, it's never done that. So when I knew that it had done a capture from one end and a catch from the other, yeah. so I baited the centre because I yeah. thought maybe that's its neck and it turned out to be right. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That, well, you've got twice as much chance of it, actually. It's either there <laughs> it's or there. It's got to go it's right somewhere, go. yeah. <laughs> but um, it would. It would very rarely come from the same end twice yeah. in a row where other yeah, big yeah. carp have got corners they like, you know, to go that big and comes out of that bay. I remember um, in Kingsbury... Uh, there's a, there was a, a pool called Pine Pool on Kingsbury Water Park up in the Midlands. And it was shaped like a clover leaf. It used to be three ponds, and they basically cored the middle out of it. Yeah. So the fish could move between these three ponds. And in the back pond, in the very corner, there was one bush. And that's where the king of the pond lived. Yeah. And he was always there. Just loved it, yeah. And he, yeah, and he sat in the street. And every now and again, he'd, you know, he'd go for a swim around, but he would only ever lie up under that. And, you know, the, the old book Basil's Bush was exactly the yeah, same exactly, thing. Basil yeah. used to sit under this bush. Yeah. And this creature used to sit under that bush all the time. And his characteristics were really interesting because he wasn't scared. He, was a, he, he wasn't big. He'd be 30 pounds, but for the pond, he was the biggest one yeah, in there. Yeah. But he was a real bruiser of a carp. 
as well. Yeah, wasn't yeah. scared. Some of the little ones would be scurrying around me when I'm underwater. Others would come up, have a look, and then disappear. Yeah. You've got the kiddie ones that are playing around, just going around in circles. And this fellow was just in the corner. And I'd go up to him and be from me to you away. Bearing in mind, I'm as big as I am, and he's a 30-pound car. Yeah. And he's like, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> That's mad, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. you know, there were, there were others in that pond. I used to dive it quite a lot. And there was one called the Snub-Nosed Comet that it didn't matter where I got into the pond or on what day, within five minutes, he'd be with me. Really inquisitive. Really inquisitive, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also that tells me that the hearing is amazing. Yeah. Because it could have been in any one of these three ponds, but within five minutes he'd be there. Well, it's funny you should say about hearing, Rob, because um, I was listening to something the other day and someone was talking about... Um, carps ears and things like that and i never very very rarely have the heads of my um alarms on yeah everything's on a sounder box yeah yeah and the my reason for that is years ago i was talking to kevin nash and he said to me i was fishing snake pit he went and there's some police divers in yeah he goes and these divers swam through my lines and he went and as he went through my line this diver's popped up and he went what the f was that yeah yeah. and he went what and it was his alarm where, you know it's like when you're a kid and you've got the two tins with a bit yeah, of string yeah. and you're shouting yeah. through it and the sound travels. Yeah. And straight away, when Kevin told me that, I thought, right, two things. If your line's slightly slacker, it's gonna the sound's going to travel not as good. Yeah. And I don't need that head on. I've got it in my hand, so I don't... Yeah, yeah. And, and they will get used to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll swim in it and go, that isn't a branch, because I know yeah. branches don't bleep. You yeah. know what I mean? I've, I've actually done a number of tests with this. Right, and, okay. and And I'm... Um, I'm not a scientist in any way, shape or form, but I love applied science. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as, as a kid studying science, was I was useless at it. I failed physics God knows how many times. But as an adult, I really like applied science where you look at how a certain scientific rule works in the, in the environment. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it with, with sound, and I've put this into practical tests as well with alarms, people think that the sound travels down the line. Okay. But it doesn't because it's not made close enough because a lot of the time um, with a roller wheel... Yeah, the sound comes out of the speaker into the air rather than directly onto it. You know, if yeah. you speak into a can, it it can potentially go down that yeah, wire. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sound penetrates through water okay. in different ways. So let's have sharp sounds and soft sounds. So a sharp sound like a clap. Yep. That will that will be audible underwater. Us talking in a slow, quiet voice like this is less. Okay, likely yeah, to yeah. break through the surface because it's a soft sound as opposed to a hard sound. The other one is that high tones, if you look at sound waves on a graph, yep. a high tone does that. That's right, yeah, yeah. Whereas a low tone does that, so it's a weaker sound wave. So it's not as uh, so impenetrable. It, like, yeah. Exactly, but it will travel further. Right, so okay. when sound hits water, some of it goes through and some of it bounces off, just like on a window or yeah, yeah. you know anything like that, reflection, light, etc., etc. So when a high tone goes in, it's a sharp sound, and a high tone can penetrate, whereas yeah. a low tone generally doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So if you are fishing with your alarms, the best thing to do is have it it's sort on a of nice low tone, yeah. low and and not too loud. Yeah, yeah. So and then it won't go through. Well, but high tones going beep. It's funny you can out. lose a lot a lot of sounds to your advantage. When I was it's on funny. Holton, it yeah. was obviously it's at the end of the runway. Yeah. And when I if I saw fish showing. I'd wait for a plane. Yeah. On there, it's like about 40 seconds, and in would come yeah. a massive Boeing or something. Yeah. Then I'd get the rod out. You know why the, that, all the ground yeah, was rumbling? Yeah. I'd get the rod yeah. in and put it down, and on Frimley, it's got a train track either side of it. Yeah, same again. And yeah, same again. This year, when I've been on fish, and I thought, I'm waiting, and then the train had come past, 
and I wouldn't even spoke because I yeah. couldn't hear it go in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's absolutely yeah. right as well. Like, you know, I've been underwater with planes because I dived Orton, Raysbury, you know, yeah, all yeah. of those a lot. And it's a, it's a it's a big noise. Yeah, it must feel sound so, weird like when you're underwater and they're it, coming past. It, yeah, it is. It's yeah. weird. It is. It, it's really because you can't, even though you know where it is historically above you, um, sound underwater is um, it's not directional. So you don't know where it's coming so from. Sort of coming from the uh, general area. Somewhere, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't know where. So it's great for masking sounds. But, you know, how many people would do that? How many people would even think of that? Now you've said it, it's obvious. Yeah. And all of the really good ideas are always the obvious ones. But yeah. for some reason, most people don't think of those. No, that's yeah. right, yeah. I think it. you always have to look what's in the environment where you are. Like... At Frimley, there's an alleyway with big lights all the way down. It's all yeah. you could literally tie a rig at night. Yeah. So I don't worry about head torches. Yeah. But if I'm fishing in an estate lake in the middle of nowhere where they're not used to light pollution, um, my head torch don't come out the yeah. bivy. Even my bivy light is made sure that it ain't shining out. Yeah. So you've always got to look at their environment, what they're used to. Military background, camouflage, and concealment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, yeah, if yeah. you want to stand out, stand out, and if you don't, then blend in. We're hunting so, them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know if we are anymore. Yeah. I think so many people don't hunt them anymore. I think this yeah. is one of the lost arts of carp fishing that we should be hunting them. Yeah, but we don't hunt them, do we? I no. do. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know you yeah, do, yeah, but yeah. I think carp anglers generally. No, no. They, that, some of them are just more worried about comfort than fishing. Yeah, yeah that, that that skill is lost. Um, we always ask a guest when they come in to bring us a little present. Yeah, and I believe you've got a little present for us. Something to go on our wall, our yep. wall of fame over here. I've brought you a picture. What have we got? Show it. Uh, show it to this camera over here and tell us what it is. That right, Winston? Yeah, well, that is a picture of, um, and I've put there, nothing is impossible. That's a that's a 485-acre reservoir, not far outside of London. And um, when I started fishing there, I didn't see a carp for three months. But I never lost sight of, this ain't impossible. Yeah. Someone else has caught a carp from here. I'm going to catch a carp from here. And, that's, and I just wanted like the people listening to know, like when people tell people... And you will, you'll get to a lake and they'll go, really hard, this one. Yeah. Just don't ever listen because you're not them. Yeah. When I fished Collinbrook, I turned up and I was doing one night a week. Bearing in mind, I don't know how many full-timers there were. Mm. Guys doing six, eight-week sessions. Yeah. And this guy said, uh, how often are you coming down then? I said, oh, one night a week. And he burst out laughing. Mm. I said, what's funny? He said, some people are on 100 nights from their last fish. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, but so they catch a fish. Did they catch it on the 10th night of their 100th night or did they catch it on the 99th night? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, I'm going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I had a fish on my 22nd night. Yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. It. That's it. I think, I think the other thing is that people judge judge other people by their own standards, which of is course, really yeah. dangerous. You, yeah. know, you, 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 you can't do that because you don't know what the other person's like. No, you? exactly. Your skill set is going to be different. Your mindset's going to be different. You know what I mean? I've seen... Some very good anglers, like, and I'm talking the top five in this country. I fished alongside them a lot. And if they had the time that the average guy had, yeah. they wouldn't even be in the top 50. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, like, yeah, that, yeah. that I'd be like, if you could only do two nights a week, mate, no one had ever heard of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, time and access. Yeah, are, exactly. Are, yeah. Without any shadow of doubt, the best bait ingredients there are. Yeah. Aren't they? If you've got the time and you can get on the venue, then at some stage. Yeah. I remember being on Collinbrook and a guy had done three months. Wow, that's not going anywhere. Using the gym, the local gym for a shower, and then caught the big one, and everyone was going, "Oh, he's amazing!" And I thought, "No, he's not. He's yeah. not amazing at all." Like, yeah, he's dedicated. Yeah, he's not dedicated. Amazing. Yeah, there's sides yeah. to it that I, I wouldn't say I admire. I think get a life, but like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you've got a, 
it's it's like going into a competition. You've got three darts and he's got 100. He's always going to score higher. Yeah, yeah. But what you've got to care about is your own score. Yeah. What a great analogy. Yeah. That is a great analogy, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm going to use that. That, okay. is, that is absolutely brilliant. Um, look, let's let's talk about a day in the life of, of Dave Levy then. What do you do? You obviously catch a shed load of carp, <laughs> which means clearly you're fishing nine days a week. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Generally, mate, I um, fish... I stay at home on a Monday and yeah. I'll work on like editing blogs or answering emails and stuff like that, just do social media stuff. And then yeah. Tuesday I leave home and I fish till Thursday or Friday. So right. I generally do 48 hours yeah. because most lakes now, that is your time restraint. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, I now work for Ridge Monkey, so yeah. um, I can fish as much as I want, really. But yeah. I, ch- I tend to do f- f- 48 hours a week. Right. Then uh, Friday... I've just got this thing where I wake up Friday morning and I go to the gym. Yep. And that is habit. Saturday I go to the gym, Sunday I go to the gym, Monday I go to the gym. Yeah. And then for the next three days I go fishing yeah, yeah. and be a slob. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do. But um So what's your what's your day to day job then? Is it is it purely fishing? Is it product development? Is it marketing and promotion? I get involved. What do you actually do? I get involved in everything from product development yep. to uh media, Instagram, filming yeah. cameramen so I get involved in the whole thing at Ridge Monkey really yeah, yeah. but only as an advisor because I'm a consultant so right oh I, I thought you were employed I thought you worked no there. no I'm ah, self-employed right, okay. yeah so I'm adv- I, I will like say I might get a phone call and I go what do you think we should do on this shoot and I'll give yeah. my opinion yeah, they yeah. might not follow it but they'll ask me opinion you know so at the moment I'm doing a new series with them I'm doing a thing called the Taylor Carp yeah. which is where I go and fish anywhere I want in the world yeah. and they send the camera with me that sounds terrible yeah <laughs> so I'm I'm doing that so I plan that yeah yeah plan the cameramen who I want with me yeah and um yeah it's just a really good job really and I, I love being involved in the product development like yes. especially the end tackle side of things um yeah so yeah it's quite it's an interesting brand, actually, because they're a relatively youthful brand. They've not been around that long, but they've really made an impact in a very short period of time. They have. And um, do you know what? I put that down to Paul yeah. almost solely because he's got so much drive. It's a joke. Yeah. He's one of them blokes, um, a bit like Crowe, and that If he says he's going to do it, he's doing it. Yeah. And the worst thing you can say to Paul is, don't do that because it, you know, it's too big a project. Yeah, yeah. That's like a red rag to a ball. Then he's doing it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So... Yeah, it, Paul's got a lot of the drive, and um, I just try and advise from the angling aspect aside yeah, yeah. as much as I can. Jay's product design, we've got Max Cottis, who yeah. is like, we call him the headmaster. He's in, in, invaluable with yeah. um, sourcing stuff, and then Dan Sales. You know what I mean? It's just got a really good team around us yeah, as well. Yeah. The media team are brilliant. You have a good laugh as well, certainly looking at some of the adventures you've been on. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about eating various different curry pastes. Yeah, that's Dan Paul. He sort eyes. of sets up these horrible challenges. But aside of them, which no one enjoys, yeah. <laughs> um, we have a good laugh. You know what I mean? The lads are all a good crack. Yeah. What's Easy the best place you've been then? You know, looking, looking at some of the great escapes, what's the best place you've been? I think probably Italy. Yeah. And because of the Alps and yeah. the French Alps, it's yeah, amazing, French Alps, and across all them different Alps, you know, they're yeah. they're just beautiful. Because when we're on the way, we don't just go right. Let's drive to Salasco. We go, let's go via the French Alps, yeah. and we do it all the time. We'll go on like two, three hundred mile detours to go and look at a mountain, yeah, yeah. and then we'll go there and we'll all drive to the top of it. We last year we had dinner at the top of um, I can't remember the name of the mountain. That escapes me, but. Um, it was amazing. So we sat on the top of this mountain, snow everywhere, having dinner, and we're just on the way to the shoot light. And yeah, um, yeah. sometimes I think, 
Jesus, this is my job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, we try and make the whole thing as enjoyable as possible. And the camera crew are always a good laugh. And, yeah, yeah, I couldn't really tell you the best place I've been. All of it. I just love all of it. You yeah, know? Some, certainly some exciting things going on. I, 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 just touching back on it again, I'm not sure about the challenges, though. <laughs> like some of those, was it um, cinnamon powder or what? No, the, the worst one we ever done was a pig dick curry. Oh, I'm not having that. Honestly, right? No, I'm not having that. Yeah, they cut, They got this. I don't know how they got hold of it, right? It was in Hungary. Well, it's probably a normal meal out there, but yeah. he got this curry, and um, basically they don't let you see what's going on. And this particular one, like, um, they said, we've got to make it behind you because yeah. there weren't much room on the lake. So, so you're going to see it, but you've got to shut up. And I went, all right. Yeah. So they made Dan's like a normal curry because he's getting looked after. Yeah. <laughs> And then they made mine um, super hot and J- and Jay's with all this gristle, but me and basically Jay had all the pigs, Willie. Yeah. So they've gone off to fetch the other lads and I've got a fork, fished out all the pigs, Willie, and put it all in Jay's. <laughs> 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 and uh, obviously, Dan won because he had a nice curry. Yeah, I come yeah. second. And yeah. What made me laugh and is... poor old Jay. Oh, Jay was throwing up everywhere. And then oh, it was right. all finished and he was sat there and um, he goes, oh, I couldn't eat that. And I said... Jay, I said, I thought you was a rugby player, mate. I said, I thought you was a big, tough rugby player. And you, all them people you've let down. He went, yeah. And he grabbed this. No. Dude, and he just ate these pigs, Willie. And I said, <laughs> it's over. You ain't, you ain't winning anything. Spit it out. And he's, nope, I'm swallowing it. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. oh God. We, what did you eat in Romania? We were doing a show in Romania. And some oh, pig there, skin, it was disgusting. There was, some, there was a tray of something bought up, and I looked at it and thought, I'm not having any yeah. of that. And you went, oh, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. So, oh. It was pig skin, but, like, wet. It was disgusting. And I remember eating it thinking, I was hungry, but I'm not there. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> yeah. I think Paul was looking at it as well, and he was just laughing because he knows that, that, that you'll have a go at yeah. it. It's, like, just absolutely crackers. <laughs> it really is absolutely crackers. Look, um, let, let's let's talk about Dave Levy, the man, as well. You, you know, you, you, you're known for your modern fishing, but tell me a little bit about your past life. You, you Obviously, you joined the Army. Yep. Let's talk about what, uh, you know, what you've done since and through that period of time. Yeah, so I've always fished right from a little boy, and um, I joined the Army at 20. I'd done four years. Fished the whole time I was in the Army. Any leave I got, I'd mm. be fishing. At that time, um, around Kent mainly. Then um, getting out of the army, I started fishing Walthamstow. Hmm. Spent four years at Walthamstow because there's obviously um, about six lakes there. So yeah, I yeah. spent four years up at Walthamstow. And then um, from there, where else? Collinbrook, Tolpits, Sutton at Home. Like a lot of big circuit waters, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Halton, Raysbury, yeah, Kingsmead. Have you always been full-time angler as it were or did you work no, when you left no, the army what no, did you when do I come out the army, um, originally i started personal in personal security like most paris yeah yeah then um i got out of that and got into um i got a job on a refinery right and um started off on the waterfront berthing yeah. crude oil tankers yeah then moved inland on oil and turbines and i worked there for like probably 15 16 years yeah, yeah. and it was one of them jobs it was uh it was normally good money yeah but um, quite soul-destroying, you know. I used to turn up, there used to be a four-mile road all the way down to the refinery, and I'd turn into it and I'd think, in 12 hours' time, I can drive up it. Yeah, yeah. And I did that. While my kids were young, and I fished one night a week for 15 years, never went any more, no mm. French trips, nothing. It was all about my children, bringing them up and all that. And then once my kids, they're not off that, and they're still living with me now, unfortunately. I keep trying to kick them out. Yeah. But um, I sort of got to a stage, and then one day... 
um, I got off a few jobs in fishing, you know what I mean? And just yeah. used to say, no, I don't want to do it. I met Paul and uh, Paul said, you need to come and work for me. And I, I turned him down at first and then yeah. I bumped into him again. And he said, look, come and look what I'm doing. And I thought, you know what? You only live once. Yeah. I'm sick of that job. And I literally went in and I handed my notes in. Literally, yeah. just like that. I had to do like a bit of a notice period. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went home and said to me, Mrs, I'm never going back to work again. Yeah. And she said, I was 42 at the time. Yeah. And she said, there's no... She was swearing, you're not doing it. I said, I'm doing it. I ain't here to argue about it. It's yeah, happening. Yeah. I'm changing my life. I'm sick of being unhappy. Yeah. And I'm going to go and chase my dream. And I've never looked back, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think... I don't know. I, I, I've I've got the best job in the world. You know, I've had the best yep. job in the world for a long time, and I've got the best job in the world now. Yeah, um, yeah. and I'm sure you'll say the same thing because we about we, you we do, Rob. Yeah, you've been, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been cruising for years. So you know, it's well, we, look, we all to, to a degree, we all have choices on on what we can do, and you know, yeah. there are opportunities. We we are very privileged for a start. You know, we're, we're yeah. in a position that not everybody can do. Uh, or has the opportunity to 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 be in a position to do what we've done, but there are always things that you can do to enjoy. Of course, yeah. And you could have, like my daughter said to me the other week. Uh, I'm working. She works two or three gyms, and this particular gym, she said, I don't like it there, Dad. I said, Why? She went, Well, I said, Right, write a list for's and against. Yeah. I said, When you do something you like at work, say I like that. I'll write that in there. And I said, yeah. And at the end of the week. You can see what you, you're good at and what you ain't, what you don't want to do, and you know where to put your focus. So that's what she done. You know what yeah. I mean? She said, I've handed my notes and I'm going, you know what I mean? So you've always got to I try and advise them, don't be unhappy because you only, as far as we know, get one shot. So do do what you can. My biggest regret was not working in fishing earlier. Yeah, yeah. I should have done it at 30, you know what I mean? Because... Um, I'd caught more carp. We've <laughs> yeah, got a few. Yeah, yeah. You have got a few. I've done fair all right. Play, yeah. Fair play. Um, well, look on on the back of an incredible 2022. What does 2023 hold? We we know that you're going to be travelling around the world to the various different places you want to go, trying to catch some big fish. Yeah. Uh, what's your target in the UK? Um, do you know what? This is the weird thing. After I caught the Euro Aqua fish, a lot yeah. of people said to me, like, "Where'd you go? From, how'd you go from there?" But to me, it ain't all about the size. Like, it's uh, it's about what I do so next year I'm fishing a water that's um basically when I was 16 I caught a 12 pound common from yeah um and then a fish around 18 pound and them fish are both in their 40s now and they're over 40 years old yeah, yeah. and um I'd love to meet them again before yeah. they die because they're very old carp yeah. and it's got a lot of restrictions it's got um all jet skiing and all sorts on the lake you can only fish certain hours yeah and these old carp are still there under all the skis swimming round. And I'm basically this year I'm going to spend a whole year making a film on it. Yeah. So lovely. it's not going to come out like a blog, and I'm going yeah, to make yeah. a film all about this lake, and um, it should be interesting because I'll be up against it with what goes on around it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I I love a challenge. Yeah. And the harder the challenge, the better the result for me. But I hate a restriction. Yeah, yeah. And it's having that balance between you know that there's there's a fish that is not too far away from me that that I would love to have a go at, but the restrictions are so much on it that yeah. actually it almost makes it unachievable because of my life yeah. circumstance. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm unfortunately, uh, as, as much as we have a bit of a giggle, I am very busy. I'm all over yeah. the place, you know, know here, there that, and everywhere. Yeah. So as a result, unfortunately, I don't get to target fish very often. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, and also I have to do various different things. It would be brilliant to be able to target a fish, yeah. just, you know, to have that mindset to I be able to get into sometimes it. Sometimes as well, Rob, like when people go, I go to people, I'm going to target this fish. 
Mm. Or I'll think it to myself, I want that fish. Everyone expects you that you've caught that fish within a season. Mm. It's took me three years before. Yeah, you know what I mean? Three years yeah. of like, I come away for a few months and I go, right, time's right. I know that fish is going to make a mistake. Go back, you know what I mean? So always look at something like small-term goals, like I say. There's that When that lay come forwards, come February, I'll start baiting very lightly, start watching, and yeah. I'm lucky it's local, so I can have eyes on more than normal. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, um, yeah. yeah, I'll just be back and forth until the job is done. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I may have told the story before. I don't know if I've told it uh, to you, but every New Year's Eve we sit down and we have a family meeting. And okay. that, that family meeting is literally two kids, even the dog's there as well, but he doesn't contribute to much. <laughs> um, and we sit down, we write down the things that we would like to achieve through the yeah. course of the coming year. Now, it's not New Year's resolutions. It's not like give up smoking or, or go to the gym or things like that. It's it's things that are personal to us or things that we've wanted to do for a while. And we make a note, there's 10 things, and we write them down on a piece of paper, and then we seal them in an envelope, and we leave yeah. it on the kitchen notice board until the following New Year. That's good. And when yeah, we sit that. down and have our, new, our, our, our family meeting, we get the old one out, and we go, actually... You wanted to learn to play the banjo last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you haven't even and bought there the you banjo. Are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. it, it can be anything. I've yeah. I've wanted to skip like a boxer. Yeah. So learn to do that. Hurts the knees if you're not doing it on something soft. But you know, wanted to do that. Um, climb Kilimanjaro. Go to Everest. Um, a pogo stick. Just yeah. you know, it can be any yeah, any yeah. weird things. But every year, there's catch a fifty pounder from a different country. Yeah, yeah. Minimum £50. And my lad said to me, um, it was a couple of years ago, I hadn't been because I was really busy. And he went, um, you put that every year. I went, well, I want to do it every year. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but you never do it. You might as well take it off. You're wasting one of your opportunities. Yeah, yeah. You never do it. And it was like, son, just because I haven't done it yet doesn't mean to say that it's still not on that list. No, exactly. And yeah. that, that challenge is there. That challenge will always be there. And, and I gave him the fatherly advice. And he looked at me at the end of my words of wisdom and went, Still won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite cool because I got uh, I finished the family meeting and I rang up um, uh, the, the guys at um, Parco. Yeah, because <laughs> I thought I'll get one in January then. Yeah, bloody well. Uh, yeah. And, and, and rang the lads at Parco. Said, "Have you got any spaces in January?" They went, "Yeah, I'll, I'll be over on the sixth. And by the seventh, I'd had a fifty-eight pound common. Lovely. <laughs> and yeah. the first person I sent it to yeah. was me, lad, going, "Yeah, yeah. too right." You know, yeah, but yeah. one of those. But you know that that challenge. If you want to do it, it can be. Definitely, you know, yeah. it doesn't doesn't have to be something that you achieve tomorrow. And sometimes those things that take twelve months or two years are the ones that are more valuable. Oh, of course, yeah. So, you know, the um, uh, uh, different thing and with the, with the TV series, I set myself a little challenge once every TV series uh, season to go out and catch a fifty pounder from somewhere overseas, and yeah. we try and restrict the time. So you know, it's easy to go. And, it's not easy to go and catch a fifty. That sounds blase. But if you go to the right venues, yeah, of course, yeah. then you know it, it's an achievable target. Yeah. So I wanted to go over there and catch a catch a fifty, and and bugger me, the the, the first fish I got there, got the rods out in the dark. I passed ten that night, caught sixty. That day, and you just think. It's challenge yeah. gone now, yeah, and it yeah, almost yeah. it almost took the wind out of the television program because it had been done. Yeah, yeah. So which was which was a bit from, of a shame. From there, you've just got to set a new new challenge, that, and that's it. Isn't and that's it? the exciting thing as well. Yeah. You know, like when we was talking about PBs, like I don't always chase a PB, but when you can fish one, it is nice to sit there and think, oh, the rod goes, I could actually catch the biggest fish I've ever caught. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So. I think that's for for me. If we're talking resolutions now this year, for me, I would love to break my PB, uh, my continental PB stood since two thousand and six. Yeah. Uh, my UK PB has stood since I think two thousand and eighteen. 
And you have um, got a trip booked to Euro Acre, I believe. And uh, yeah, I have got a yeah, trip booked. You've got so, a very, very good chance. Yeah, yeah. so they're seventy-five pound fourteen to PB. So there's you know there's a chance. But yeah. Also, and and you've you've sort of blown it out of the water a little bit because me, Crowy, and Briggsy and a few other guys have got this thing about trying to catch seventies from different countries. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing this for a few years now. Yeah. And bugger me, you go out and you go and catch an eighty-eight from Croatia yeah. and another eighty and then another. To be fair, that is a, one of my things. I try. I'm trying to catch seventies from as many countries different as countries. I can, and I've I've had three so far. Have you three different countries? Three's yeah. big, yeah, 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 that's good. I think so. Briggs in in the UK then. Steve's had three. Sean McSpadden's had three. Yeah. Uh, sorry, no. Briggs he's had four because he's got Austria now as well. Okay. Uh, Sean McSpadden's got three. There's loads of people got two because they've got Euro Aqua yeah. and um, and Rainbow. But I think there's there, there's probably only three or four people that have got three. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you get two, you'll beat Briggsy. Well, Chris Kuderman's the one. He's had seven. Has he? Oh yeah. my God! Yeah. yeah, he's he's the he's the market leader. Yeah, yeah. he's had seven. Bless him. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some um, that that saying that unbelievable. You know, we you went to Euroacre and you said you fished it English style, but when you look at some of these continental anglers, there are some incredibly talented lads that are out on the continent. You know, some of the some of the ways they fish and how they fish and and what they do. Well, some of them are excellent. Yeah, like that misconception that we're it's like football, isn't it? We started football. Mm. but um, no, yeah, we're not yeah. the best at it you know what I mean and um, some of them foreign anglers I've met when I'm abroad are incredible anglers yeah. especially yeah. when it comes to boat fishing range and things like that yeah, yeah they're very good yeah the, uh, I think the thought process is slightly different and it comes back to what you say about Horton you know rather than being channeled into someone else's thinking they actually think themselves yeah as as you did there and i think there's an awful lot to to, to be said for that just keeping an open mind yeah and, bra- and don't bracket yourself you know a lot of guys will go oh i love big waters i speak i speak to guys all the time and they sort of put their chest out and go oh, i love a big water i'll fish big lakes and you think yeah. well the most difficult lakes i've ever fished are small Almost. lakes where they yeah. know they deal with rigs on a daily basis yeah. toll pits had 13 carp in it and um, I found it granite. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was bloody hard because I just knew how to deal with everything. Yet when I fished the George, it was 485 acres. Yeah. When I found them, they were reasonably yeah, easy, easy to catch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it. It's the, you know what, what the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. So it takes yeah, away yeah. the size, but, but makes them tricky. Yeah. So very, very consistent. Um, we're going to close up with a final message. I want your one top tip to help people be more consistent and catch more carp this year what would you say is your dave levy pearl of wisdom um pre-baiting if you ain't got time if you can't put 48 hours in a week i used to only get one night so i used to make sure i've done a pre-baiting trip and when you pre-bait it doesn't have to be 10 kilo it can be 30 boilies in the same spot consistently consistently Carp are a creature of habit, and you can actually form their habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes back to what we said earlier about conditioning. Yep. Isn't it? You know, yep. get them to come to you rather than you trying to find them. Definitely. Condition them. Yep. Brilliant. Dave, it's been a pleasure having you in. Thank you ever so much for your time. We've done our hour. Some brilliant words of wisdom there. Um, some great stories as well. And long may there be more adventures for you through 2023. Definitely. Absolutely brilliant. Thank Ladies you. and gentlemen, that's it for another cracking Outcast podcast. You know where to find us. You know where to see us. You will, of course, know where to find Dave. He's all over YouTube. He's all over Facebook. He's all over with Ridge Monkey as well. So look him up there. Keep in touch with him. Keep in touch with us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.